Welcome back to the Turn on the Music podcast. We're going to do something a little bit different this time. Um, we are about halfway through our season, um, and we're having a great time, and we just thought we'd kind of take a chance to take a break from the interviews, take a break from the artist spotlights, and just kind of chat. Um, this is a completely unplanned episode, um, and I'm going to kind of liken it. So if you're a, a, you know, a classical musician, this could be like the interlude. Or maybe this is like the bridge of a song. You can call it whatever you want. Um, but this is just going to be a, a fun episode, and we're just going to kind of let it go where it goes. But I can't let it go anywhere without introducing CJ. How are you, sir? Good. How about yourself? How's everything going this week? Uh, good. Um, I've been, so I, you know a little bit about this. I've been working on building a server. Right. Um, uh, well, so I, I have eight Raspberry Pis, or had eight Raspberry Pis. That were running like random things in my house, um, like my VPN, my all all sorts of crazy tech nonsense. And one of the things I never really had was redundant storage. And now that we're doing all of this recording and I have other things planned, I wanted to have some redundant storage in my house. And I decided at the same time I was going to eliminate all of these extraneous Raspberry Pis that I have. So I've been building this um, server and trying to learn Docker and all this other stuff. So I've been slowly building this. Um, it took, so I, I have uh, four hard drives in this. Uh, they're each four terabytes, so that's 16 terabytes of data. And when you RAID them together with a RAID 5 array, it eliminates one hard drive. So I have 12 terabytes of storage, which is great. But what I didn't realize is one of my drives was bad. So every time I tried to create the RAID array, it would either think that it completed and then not work or just completely fail. So I spent three weeks troubleshooting this because trying to build the Raider, it takes days sometimes. So I wasn't sure what was going on. So anyway, um, I'm on the, the tail end of this. So I have two more things to install, which is Plex, my media server, and Rune, which is my audio server. It powers my whole house. So I was a little late coming on tonight because uh, I've been struggling with Plex the last three days. And I finally figured out what was wrong, and it, I've now got Plex almost set up, so it's all importing my videos and TV shows and metadata them all. So I'm excited to have Plex back up and running soon. So anyway, how are you? <laughs> that so was a long complaint session that for me. Sounds like Does that count as my one complaint for the ball episode? ball of fun. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm joking. I know, we were talking because I... I I'm curious about that stuff myself yeah. and what I what I potentially would do at home just for the purpose of, you know, keeping stuff backed up and all that stuff. Right. Because I do do audio on, on movies and not that I have to maintain a lot of stuff because the editor maintains it, but it's mm -hmm. like it's nice to know that the stuff is backed up. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, especially when you're putting in a lot of work. You don't want that stuff, right. you know, and, and even when you're done, you know, having it done and using it for whatever future you know, portfolio type stuff is always right. good to have. So, yeah, now this for me, it's just, it's been very busy at work. The past couple of weeks have been a little, um, I've just had to be super focused on things that were going on yesterday. We, uh, we held, uh, two events. Uh, one, unfortunately I was only part of for half the day, but the other one that we've been working on for months finally went about. And I think it was successful. I had one of the worst, issues with zoom breakout rooms that I've ever had and I had to kind of plow through it but mm -hmm. on the front end of it for who we were 
doing this event for it it, it worked it, w- it was smooth on their end and and it went well and that's all that matters well, that's good. so i'm i'm happy that it's done i'm happy that i can breathe from it I'm, now we're getting into very busy months for my role so uh, the next couple of months i'll be a little it's a lot of paperwork but i'll be very busy throughout like it's busy i i don't want to call it busy work because it's important but right. it's it feels like busy work because it's a lot of paperwork it's just right, a lot right. of making sure things are in the right order and thing people have what they need and stuff like that mm-hmm. otherwise you know, not too bad can't complain you know like the weather is finally trying to be spring uh, it'll change it'll change no i know because like because next friday is supposed to be like 30 degrees by us after oh yeah yeah so so we were in the 70s all week and then we got snow last night and today I was like, okay. did you get snow? really? Yeah, yeah. My, my deck was covered in snow this morning, and it was ice. It was awful. That's too funny. So yeah, and, and this this actually happened when I first went, moved to Ohio. Um, I was here in around March, and it was eighty degrees. And the day I left, it snowed four inches. Wow, and it was just crazy. It, I, you know, it is part of it yeah. is you know because you're on you're on the island, so you're surrounded by water, and the water helps right. insulate you. Right. There's no insulation out here. It's just right. you know whatever it is it not is. not a tropical island though this no. is this is long <laughs> island. Tro- yeah. definitely not tropical strong island, island. strong or strong island as we uh, as as some long islanders call it yeah. uh i don't consider myself a long islander because i was born in brooklyn which I is on long that. island but i'm wow. not gonna say anything yeah it's born in brooklyn oh. Oh, no. yeah. yeah my my brother out of the five of us in the f- in our like every out of the five of us was the only one born but born born and the only one born only one born. Apparently, you moved to England. Yeah, apparently, uh, uh, on, on the island, like out where we lived. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So yeah, no. Um, yeah. Though, let's talk music for a second because you know this is a music podcast. But I'm curious to what you've been listening to because my music this week, and I know we briefly spoke about this, has been a little all over the place. We what so just spoke? We uh-huh. roughly broughly spoke. I we briefly spoke, didn't well, did you, I not say not that? That's not what you said. <laughs> we, well, we might need to rewind that during yeah, the episode. Re- <laughs> yep. Did he say what he said? So we roughly spoke about how my music has been all over the place. Yes. How about yourself? How was the past week or so with your music? Um, so I mentioned, I think in our last episode, that I was starting to take guitar lessons. Today was, yes. ep- was lesson number two. And one of the things the, the teacher said, he said, listen, start looking for songs that we can learn. So I've been going through like the acoustic stuff that I, you know, have. So I've been listening to um, the, the the big ones that are, are Joe Bonamassa, live from the Sydney uh, the Sydney Opera House, live from the Vienna Opera House. Those are both acoustic albums. They're phenomenal albums. Um, and then I went way back to um, some Sister Hazel stuff. Oh, really? So I, I, Sister Hazel been one of my favorite, you know, like pop bands, I guess, for a long time. Um, but I like I like their really deep cuts like Mandolin Moon and Strange Cup of Tea. Do you have anything to play for? Sure, yeah, we can get some play some, play play something yeah. for them. So I'm sure some people I'm sure people know his sister Hazel, but there yeah. may be some out there that don't. Yeah, so let's and let's we'll start with with the sister. Yeah, you know, and it's good that know. you are starting. You know, you know, at a simpler of, of music and not with you know Joe Bonamassa like. <laughs> so no Dave Matthews is what you're saying? First off, no, no, absolutely not. No Dave Matthews. Um, <laughs> um, but like I, so I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but um, 
I started trying. I've, I've tried to learn the guitar several times, and like two years ago, I made a real conscious effort, and I started to learn uh, "Tears in Heaven," okay. um, which is not something that you should start learning. Sure, because it's you know, like it's all it's a finger picking. It's not straight chords, right? You know, there's and and like I have no idea what notes I'm playing. I've n- I couldn't tell you. Uh, I don't know what chords I'm playing. No idea. I just follow the shapes on YouTube, and I'm, oh, you know, I, and it kind of sounds like you know, tears in heaven. Um, <laughs> so now I'm, I'm actually, you know, and it's, it's weird going into this now, this journey now because I'm, I, I can read music really well, and I'm starting to see where the notes are on the, on the staff and how they relate to the guitar. Okay. And today he's like, all right, well, let's start reading tablature, and like he reads tablature so well. Like I haven't looked at tablature since I was like in fifth grade, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> and like I like my eyes are already are are they're not great. I have some eyesight issues that I have to get taken care of, but the way tablature works is um, there's six lines, one for each um, string, and then they write the number of the fret. So like if you're playing like open, they'll put like zero, so there's no fingers. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, all right, so it's a zero on the top line. And I'm like, that looks like an, a whole note F. And I'm like, wait a second, this is tablature. No, 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 it's not a whole note F. <laughs> so, so trying to get my mind to not think musical notes and think tablature is going to be an interesting journey. Oh, yeah, no, um, it's it's definitely going to be. And, you know, we're learning it at such a young age. So Yeah, yeah. You know, so it makes it even better. But, yeah, please, like, if you have something yeah, so, Sister um, Hazel. So, here's, this is this, so they had two real big hits. One of them was All For You, which uh, I'll play a little bit of All For You. Finally, I figured out, but it took a long, long time. Now there's a turnabout, maybe cause I'm trying. There's been times so confused that my road to you just can't turn. big in the late, late 90s yeah um and then the other one that was really big was uh was change your mind um and it's it's a really it's a really good i, I like a lot of their stuff just because a lot of the the messages are kind of cool right um and this one is like you know if you know as you're growing up you know you go through those hard times where you wonder like if you're really being true to yourself um so this talks about like if you're if you think you're following the right line and then you try to like divert into something like that doesn't feel right like stop it and change your mind right so this is uh, change your mind hey hey you ever think there might be another way to just feel better just feel better about today oh no you never want to have to turn and go away you might feel better you might feel better if you stay yeah yeah you haven't heard a word I said and yeah, yeah if you've had enough of all your trying just give up so yeah um, that's the sort of stuff I've been listening to um, just cause I mean this is a lot easier than Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton so <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love I mean the vocals are really tight uh, yeah. they always did a really good job there so but you know it's funny because you know back in that day cause we were in our late teens when this all came out 
Yep. It was popular. It was mm-hmm. on the radio, you know, not yep. their acoustic stuff, but more of their their studio recordings. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people loved it. Some people didn't because there was that, that, that time period. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that probably haven't heard it unless they went mm-hmm. down this. I'm going to say it again, this rabbit hole of listening to a group and then f- eventually getting down to them right. at some point. So it, yep. it's interesting to to hear that music and be like, oh, yeah, I totally remember this. And I remember what I was doing or like what was going on or around the time that this came out. Uh, so it's interesting to see that. And I see that you also have a specific beverage, a beverage. I so do. I don't have anything this evening. I unfortunately did not get out to pick something special up. But what did you just drink? This is Kansas City Sarsaparilla. Oh, I love Sarsaparilla. How is that? I do too. It's very good. Yeah. So I was. Um. I. I've been. I have a guitar back here that I'm fixing up. Uh, my sister gave it to me. I don't know the circumstances behind it. She's like, "Hey, I found this acoustic guitar. You want it?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." You know. So it's been sitting back there. It's a Fender. I started doing some research. It's like a five hundred dollar guitar. That wow. She just, so, um, it's missing an end pin. So I had to get um a screw and a little bolt to get the end pin to work the right way, um. So I get a strap lock on it. And I was at the hardware store, and it was like, well, the whole thing totaled like a dollar five, and I was like, I can't use my credit card for a dollar five. So they had sarsaparilla, they had cream, they had root beer. It's like, all right, nice. <laughs> so I got. Got a whole bunch of sodas, and I thought we could have one of them tonight for our. That's episode. that. I don't know. It looks uh, it looks delicious. I'm a big Sarsaparilla fan, so uh, I am too. Yeah, and it's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, no, it is, uh, yeah, and it is different than root beer. That's the whole thing. Like, even though it's that same leaf and that same branch and all that stuff, it's still a yep. different taste because of how yep. it's done. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Now I got to go see if I can find it out here. Probably not. I would. Uh, this, I, Ace Hardware carried it. I was shocked. Yeah, but I don't think our Ace Hardware is out here would carry that. Yeah, who knows? Gonna have to have to look around. That's too funny. That's great though. Yeah. So it's so hard to find out. Yeah. What are you listening to? You said it was. It's been crazy. It was. Listening. It was very. It was very. All over the place, and I and I couldn't figure out why, but it was more of, as I had conversations with different people, I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this on the way home and listen to. This. So after, so we did our episode about Ava Cassidy, and um. We talked about Chuck Brown, and I know that we're probably going to talk about him in the next episode. So I kind of like listened to him and started getting some information on him and all that stuff. And we'll have more next week. But and then a funny thing happened. I wanted to listen to funk music. I think I told you this, and I still think this is hysterical. It made me laugh so hard. Yep. So as I'm driving, I use CarPlay, and CarPlay has Siri on it. So I press my button. I say. Hey Siri, play Funk Essentials. Because Apple Music has these curated albums of essential music. And sometimes there's only 10 songs. Sometimes it's 20. Sometimes it's 25 songs. But And they're constantly updating it and stuff like that. So I said, hey Siri, uh, please play Funk Essentials. So Siri goes, cannot find Funk Essentials in your library. So I was thinking maybe she was looking amongst my library of music and not Apple Music itself. So I decided to ask Siri once more time, one more time. So I'm not fiddling doing this while I'm driving down the road. I say, hey Siri, play Funk Essentials on Apple Music. And Siri goes, I cannot find beep essentials 
on Apple Music. <laughs> so either, Sorry, either <laughs> here we go. Uh-huh. And, now, and now Siri has woken up. Yeah, Siri woke up. Exactly. So, 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 uh, so either Siri decided to curse at me because she was just getting annoyed with me or <laughs> totally heard a different word come out of my mouth yeah. when I requested it. And it was the funniest thing. I laughed so hard for a good five minutes of my drive. It was the funniest thing. Despite Siri being the, the longest running vo- voice assistant... It is the worst voice. Yeah, there's still some there's still a lot of hiccups with it. So I was I was on my way to my my lesson this morning and I was texting you using the little speech thing. (laughs) (laughs) I swear. So I am not in the best shape. And there are times when I think Siri wants my friends to think I'm having a stroke, which is troubling because this is what what Siri sent you. Yes. And it was it was so funny. So this was this was the fifth attempt at this sentence that I had tried. And it was just so funny. I was like, this is not even close. So what Siri said was, I was actually thinking about that. You cut something like the bitch, you know, like a song bridge, and then they can call the battery manual episode of a coda. Yep. And we're not going to even decipher that for everybody because no. it'll give away something. Yeah. But, but it was the funniest thing when I, I, I was just I just like it reminds me of and if you're, you're car people and you watch these shows, uh, um, Jeremy Clarkson, <laughs> you know, um, James May and Richard Hammond. And there's yep. many times where they're using the dictation in their cars that they're driving in their right. show. And, and it's, it's like the, 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 the car company's like dictation software. Yeah. Even and like a phone. Yeah. This and it's before. so bad that they still oh. send it off to their, their partner, yep. their friends is just yep. because they think it's hysterical. So yeah. Yeah, it was just it, it. It was just too funny. It was too funny. So, I I was listening to funk music. So there's mm-hmm. I don't need to get into that. It was it was a a playlist and and you know everything that you could think of was on there and it played through. And then, I was in the mood for something heavier, and I freak, I don't know where I found this group and where this group came up right. But this group called and I'm I'm sure I'm pronouncing the name wrong. But it's the the hue, T H E, and then H U. Now it's a Mongolian group, which I didn't know when I first brought it up. So it's probably something like the hue or something like that. So I, if someone knows, I forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. But so I started playing the first song. I don't know if you're bringing it up. Is that what you're doing while you're? Uh, I I can do that. Yeah. Oh, no, I have it up, so I can oh, share. Do. That's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna share my. Um, computer audio and i'm just going to play one of their a little bit of one of their songs they're like i said they're a mongolian group they use their mongolian instruments for most of it there are other instruments incorporated but a lot of their stuff is with the mongolian um, instruments so culturally it's beautiful because they bring their culture into it and i don't know if you'll hear it in this but they do do some of their throat they do mongolian throat singing in some of these songs and I'll play this, and then afterwards I'm going to tell you about two covers they did. So we're going to play this. This one is called Wolf Totem, and it's from the album The Gayreg, which is G-E-R-E-G.
so that's just the beginning of that song. It's just, it's amazing what they use in the instrument for. Now, I'm going to go to the middle of the song just for a moment, just to kind of give a little bit of what the song gets into eventually. So here's another little clip from it. Considered metal, it came out in 2020. Um, so as you can, as you heard, they had their throat singing it, which I think is is awesome. We should talk a little bit about throat singing. Yeah, those who don't know what it is. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, let me just tell one more thing about this, and I, I'm not going to play these, but go search them because they do a cover of "Sad by True," "Sad but True" by Metallica, and "Through the Never." And I listened to the "Sad but True" one, and it's a creepy song because of what it is. But it's creepier in Mongolian with the way they do it. And it's fantastic. The other thing to share about them is they are a huge Star Wars fan. And they were asked to write the song Sulgan Asana for the 2019 video game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is like an eight minute song. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So um, they're they're fantastic. There's not a lot of information on them because they're such a new group. I hope they put out another album because I'm just really impressed with it. So, yes, I do listen to metal. Yes, I do listen to hard rock. And this but their their mixture of their culture and their music and and what they do just makes it even more brilliant to listen to. So. I'm going to let you speak a little bit more about throat singing, even though I know what it is. But I know that at some point you uh, either tried it, attempted it, or was doing it and just stopped doing yeah. it. So I just share a little bit more about that. So the first, the first time I heard it was Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones live at the Quick, um, and they they brought in an artist. Uh, his name was Kangarol Andar, and he played. I don't know the name of the instrument that he played with them, um, but it's a two stringed. It looks like a guitar, but it's not. Um, it's a weird shape and he's got these really curly shoes and he's got this huge garb. So anyway, what throat singing is, there are several styles of throat singing. Um, there's, um, Kargara, Hume, and, oh, I can't remember the other one. Get talk. Anyway. I'll see if I can grab it. Talk. I'm yeah. Sure so the, the, the premise of it is that you can sing. I used the rabbit ears for sing um, <laughs> more than one note at the same time. So they'll they'll still they'll have like a drone pitch, a, a consistent po- pitch, and then depending on the shape of their mouth, will create a harmonic uh, with just the resonance of their lips, and it then creates a second tone. Um, I had a student who was uh, interested in learning kind of that metal screaming singing type thing um and i actually went to this style of singing because it's a it's a safer way to approach that kind of sound um and i was able to teach him and what i found was the more i did it um first off the better i got 
but also the more focused my sound got as a singer. Um, and I was able to control what what it felt like. It was I could I can control like the focal point of where the sound came out of my mouth. Right. So I could I could either have it like focused like six inches out or twelve inches out or eighteen inches out, and it would change how it would sound in the room. Um, and I was able to start playing with that, which was really interesting to do. And I, I noticed that I was able to sing more relaxed because of it. Uh, once I got decent at it, I don't think I could do it anymore. Um, it's it's a very it's a tricky thing to start to learn because it there's there's places of your throat that you have to kind of engage um and for me i dry heaved quite a bit learning this technique um i have a very bad gag reflex and i i mean it was it was very difficult to learn but once i got around that um it was very interesting and i was able to really improve my singing because of it which is which is weird to think that that was the case but that's awesome yeah uh i got some information just to see so this is actually from britannica.com uh, under slash art slash throat dash singing, you name what were the ones that you named? Hume, which is I think spelled K-H-O-O-M-E-I. and I yep. and then Kargara, which is the other one, and there's one that starts with an S, I think. Um, they have C git. Yeah, so good. That's Sigit, the other one. Yep. Yep. So the instrument, though, is just the inner Asian fiddle because it says throat singers usually accompany themselves on the distinctive inner Asian fiddle. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are very interested, uh, I could probably grab this link and we could put it in the show notes. But Perfect, there's a yep. whole thing about um, about the throat singing right there. So just interesting stuff. And like I said, culture, it just it's beautiful to, to hear it. In, in this, in the music. Um, and then I went completely far left and listened to some musical theater. <laughs> far right, far, whatever. From what I was listening to with yes. with, with them was completely, I, I, I popped in Ragtime because I'm a fan of Ragtime. I think Brian Smo- Stokes Mitchell, who played the lead, one of the lead, um, was one of the leads in it, just has a stunning voice. And I think he's did a fantastic job with it. And then I was talking to somebody about Hamilton and I started listening to Hamilton. Now, a little side thing with Hamilton. Um, it's, it's huge. Everybody loves it. Uh, the reason, you know, just because of how uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote it is very, it's a very modernized musical. It's hip hop based. It's, it's very well done. And it's funny because when it first came out and uh, you know, it was, it was blown up and everything was going wise. You know, my brother being a musician and my sister who works in theater, they were both like, have you listened to the music? I said, no. I said, I have, I I had, it was hard for me to wrap my head around a hip hop musical. Now, it has nothing to do with hip hop. It has nothing to do with that in any way, shape or form. I have, I have an appreciation for hip hop. I may not listen to it, but I have a huge appreciation for it. And through my brother, I've, I've learned to appreciate it even more. What the reason why I had a trouble with it is that I'm a huge, um, in the sense of Broadway, I see more of that standard, like the music man and, and, um, hell, like those musicals, like back in the day, those, and that's what I always saw a musical as. And I know that that's changed. So it's just me getting over that hump and accepting that change of, of what it is because with that change, 
came Hamilton and it's brilliant. It's just so well done and it, it, it flows so well. And the musicians, the singers on the, the album, the original cast recording are just stunning, both male and female. And, and I think even the female just blow the men out of the water when it comes to some of the, what they do on stage because of how, what they jump across and how talented they are. So it was just, it was just music. It was like, I just went from genre to genre to genre this week. So it was really fun. And to top it off, I'm so excited about this and I really hope it comes to the States. Back to the Future, there is Back to the Future the musical. It's in London. Really? Yes. And it's it's kicking ass. Like they're winning, winning awards left and right, like best new musical, all these things in London. Like and it's killing it. And they're getting such great great reviews from it and they have a DeLorean on stage. Like there's a lot of stuff like the stage. So I'm just waiting for it to like I don't go into the city that often. I'm waiting for this thing to be on Broadway somewhere or whatever. Even for a limited run, I'm going to try to go see this cuz I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. But that just goes to show how the times have changed of what's going on Broadway and or going into theater in general. It doesn't have to be Broadway. So yeah, like it was just it was one of those weeks where I was just bouncing all over the place. But yes, Back to the Future the musical. Wow. Who do you know who did the music for it? Uh, it, it, it is uh, Alan, uh, Alan Silvestri who wrote the original, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he did work on the musical. I don't know who else worked with him, but I know he was a big part of it because Robert Zemeckis was involved with it, who was the, for there and Bob get like, so the people that were involved in the movie were involved in this. So what I think, what I think is brilliant about that is that they did their best to put whatever elements they could on stage. So yeah. I can only imagine this set, you know, having, uh, because the DeLorean's not the huge part of the movie, but the fact mm-hmm. that they fit a DeLorean into the musical just blows my mind. Right. Right. You know? So I just, I, you know, so yeah, I was kind of all over the place, but I gotta tell you though that the the hue or the hue I've got to find out how to pronounce it's just I keep going back to that album lately. I just I love it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. So, yeah, that's where I was at this week. <laughs> <laughs> All over the place. All wow. over the place, and it had. But this goes to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I was influenced by conversations I had. It right. wasn't it. Like uh, the one time I was, we were talking about like the funk was just because I was listening to Chuck Brown and it led me into wanting to go into funk because of his background. Mm-hmm. The, the musical was because I was talking to somebody about Hamilton, the musical at work and how they were watching it because it's on Disney plus and I was watching it, which we're not sponsored by Disney plus, but Disney, please hit us up, yo. Yeah, was, um, they, they have the the a live taping of it and we were talking about we were talking about one of the songs in there and I was like you know what I got to listen to it again I haven't listened to it a while so I threw that on and then the ragtime thing happened because I <laughs> so random but HBO Max has whose line is it anyway mm-hmm. okay and I have the newer seasons with with uh, Aisha Tyler as the host Right. And one of the things that they do is where they throw a genre of music at Wayne Brady and usually somebody else. And they tell him right. to sing a song with this title. Ragtime mm-hmm. was one of the songs. And I'm like, Ragtime is such so cool music, such cool music. Yeah. And I was like, all right, now I got to listen to that Broadway for a little bit. And and then the, the hue was more of a 
happenstance because I was list- I was looking for something a little heavy that day, and I don't mm-hmm. know where I found them, but I clicked on them and I was like, oh, I wonder what this is, and I clicked and I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just amazing how like you're influenced by random things, yeah, to get yeah. there and. You know, I know that I can randomly text you and be like, hey, listen, I'm looking for something new. Give me somebody and boom, you, you got a name, whether mm-hmm. it's a genre of music or whatever the case may be. If I tell you something, you got it. I'm right. not at that capacity yet. I still have a lot to gather. Do I have people I can share with you? Absolutely. But not to the capacity that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was lucky. One of my, I had some really great musical influencers in my life and one of them i was um working at a hardware store and uh and we, we actually went to see um joe bonamassa with him charlie That's um i mean he introduced me to tower of power and bella fleck and the fleck tones and no he, i introduced him to bella fleck but little charlie and the nightcats like this great little blues group. that's a great group um, i actually know uh, yeah 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 you know i i remember the first time i saw them um it was it was so cool because so one of the things I love about musicians who are incredibly talented are the ones that they're just down to earth and they just, they're like regular people. So they played the first half of their show. They're like, all right, uh, it's intermission time. So they pull the amplifiers off their big trunks and they open up the trunk, which had all their merchandise in it. And they sat down on their amplifiers and you just go up on stage and you, you, They'll sign the shirts. They'll you know do it. So I went up to Rick Estrin, who was over the he was the lead singer and the harmonica player. Uh, this was my first show, and I, I had just been introduced to them. I was like, all right, I want three CDs. What do you recommend? Here's our, all right. Well, here's our live one. Here's our new one. And what kind of music do you like? And so I was like, oh, so I kind of told him the stuff. I was like, all right, so you're into jazz. This is our jazziest one. Enjoy it. And that was it. That's awesome. You know, so like just being able to talk to those guys. Um, so he was a huge influence. Um, and then when I was in college, I had, I guess, two of them. So I was roommate with um, with a guy named Justin, and he was a brilliant bass player. And he was the he was the really the first person to really start shoving Victor Wooten down my throat. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good bass player. Fine, whatever. Um, but talking to him um, really got me into into Victor stuff. And then my roommate, Chris, who I'm trying to get uh, to interview on on the show here, uh what a wealth of knowledge he is. I mean, the, it was it was a very the, the, my, my two roommates in college. It was it was Chris and John. Uh, John was an organist. Chris is a is a percussionist. Um, so it was like we had either organ music, choral music, or jazz playing all the time. And Chris was the one that I used to go to see the New York Philharmonic play. Oh, nice. Um, their, their dress rehearsal. So he was into classical music as well. So he was just such a huge wealth of knowledge, and introduced me to such amazing music. Um, in fact, one of my favorite pieces of all times is the Rachmaninoff uh, Vespers. It's, uh, are for, we allowed to talk 40... about Rachmaninoff? Ah, uh, yeah, we can talk. Okay, about right. <laughs> <laughs> joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's 45 minutes of acapella Russian music. Yeah, it's and it's gorgeous. And I and I love the Russian language to music. It's it's yeah. when it's done well, it is mm-hmm. done well, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, and and when you get true Russian basses that can sing, right, you know, right, way way down, you know, low B flats right. and C. Oh God. So, uh, let, let, so you're talking about influences. So, uh, you know, me growing up, uh, I, I, my grandfather, the opera singer, didn't listen to a lot of pop music. I mean, he 
sat more in the 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 fifties and the fifties type style music, bubblegum oldies. So when I was growing up, like in the eighties, I listened to a lot of oldies music. That's what I was into. I loved it. Like I had, Mm -hmm. I had tapes, I had everything you could think of because I just was, and I was sitting to it, listening to it, singing to it. I was eating everything you could think of. And then as I got older, I was influenced more by the people around me. And, and at that time though, the radio too, because you throw on the radio and whatever's on there, you know, it's, it's played on. Um, I think it was more when I got into college and I was surrounded by more musicians because even Mm -hmm. in high school, I was surrounded by some very talented musicians, but a lot of them are just into that pop style of music. And, and Mm -hmm. Billy Joel was such a big thing that that was, that was the other thing we were doing, but it wasn't until I got into college that I was, the doors opened up more to me. And I think more so with conversations that you and I had than anything else, because even the other musicians that I had, they talked about classical music, which I was involved with. So I knew what classical mm-hmm. music was. I knew the opera. I knew all that other stuff. So it was really cool to when we sat down and we started talking. I think one of the first groups we saw together was it. What, did you join me at the Rock Capella, the free concert in Huntington at no, on the park? We no. Saw- we saw Rockapella in the city. Right. Okay. So I had the pleasure, and we were talking about acapella music, but I had the pleasure of seeing them live for free in Hexer Park in Huntington on that stage. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was crazy. It was just by chant, happenstance. My ex-girlfriend and her sister, we were like, oh, we got to go see this. And we drove in, and we went, and we happened to get there. What was the first concert we saw together? Was it the jo- uh, Joe Bonamassa one out in It might have been. Because I know we we spoke a lot about music, but we we didn't start right. going until later on. I think that may have been the first one we went together. Yeah, it might have been. That was a fantastic concert, and I loved when yeah. we started using the theremin. I think we uh-huh. were on a theremin kick for so long because of that. <laughs> yep. Um, I still don't own one. You Do you? But I, no, I don't. Oh, no. I, 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 you said you I, used I, I want to. Uh, no, I, I, I still don't own one. I still want one. There's I still a, want one. There's an artist. I, I'm I'm following her on Instagram. I want to get more information about her. I think she just signed with somebody, but she is brilliant and talented with it, and some of the stuff that she's mm-hmm. doing is amazing. And then um, we did see Rockapella in the city yep. at the BB King. I don't know if it was BB King or not. Maybe it was. I think it may have been BB King because it was a table. Okay. It wasn't. It wasn't like a. We yeah, were, it, it was. A, I remember it was a table. Right. Did you see them when they were at? Um, no, you. I've did. only seen them once with you. Uh, it was the only time I've ever seen Rockapella. I saw nice. them three times: the free one with you, and then we went. Mm-hmm. I went and happened to see them when they were at. When I was at Post, uh, I think this was after you went to Concordia. They were there, and I had oh, the opportunity wow. to meet them backstage because i got to know the guy who ran tillis center and he's like yeah i'll take mm-hmm. you backstage you can meet him i brought him my cousin oh, nice and, yeah they were they were really nice i stood there for five minutes i didn't want to take him but they're like you could stay i'm like i don't want to take up your time i know you got another show and they're like no 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 not at all they're really yeah. really great guys um you know and then after i don't know if we saw many others after that i think we only grabbed like one or two together uh, i know we saw yeah, eddie hazard but <laughs> yep i remember eddie hazard <laughs> yep which I, uh, you know, but uh, I can't. Did you see? W- were you there with with Bella Flecken with when I went to, when they went to Tillis? No, no, okay, no. But I went to Virginia once to meet a, an old friend of mine. I this was I, I don't remember if I was moving down to Florida or was coming back from Florida, but I stopped at his place. And that evening that we got there, he was like, "Hey, there's there's a bassist playing at 
um, the ski lodge that he worked at. I don't remember the guy's name, but he studied with Victor Wooten because wow. he was playing phenomenally. And yeah. at the end, this was around the time we, uh, this was around the time we were talking about Bella Fleck and the Folktones of Victor Wooten. And I and I and he afterwards was that type of person. He didn't go off. He kind of sat and spoke to people. And I said, I was like, you're phenomenal. You know, I listened to so he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, I studied with him. I went to his camp. I did all this stuff. This, you know, it's kind of like a lot of where I got my stuff from, you know, a big dude, little mohawk. Like it was just he was t- so talented. Uh, I wish I had his uh, music, which I may have on a hard drive somewhere. And um, but yeah, it was just it's just amazing, though what brings you to the music like we talk about emotions we talk about all that stuff but just the randomness of a conversation yeah. and you're like okay i gotta listen to these people when i go home mm-hmm. not, not not necessarily a new group but just someone you've always listened to you're like i haven't listened to in a while and that's in my mm-hmm. head now and i need to yep you know listen to them yep yeah um so yeah so now the with with the who do with with the the who or the hue the, the Mongolian group, I've been like looking for more, more Mongolian music because mm-hmm. I just think just just out of curiosity, uh, culturally, just to see what what they've come come down to. Yeah. Do. The, so so there was um, because Bella Fleck is who he is. He's a weirdo. Um, he did a Christmas album with um, I don't know the name of the of the group that he used, but they do uh, Christmas music with the, this Mongolian group. Uh, it's on their album Jingle. Uh, is it Jingle All the Way? I, I think, think we're gonna have to take some time during the holidays and do a heavy set. Yeah, of we're gonna need yeah of random Christmas fam- music. Yeah, favorite <laughs> yeah favorite Christmas albums. Yeah, because because the Bella Fleck one is up there on top there for me. Right, um, that's one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> uh, that's too funny. I'm I'm scrolling through app, uh, Apple Music just to look at something. Apparently, Elton John is a huge fan of his favorite band, The Who. <laughs> That's amazing. So, oh, wow. you shared something with me um, the I other. I share a lot of things. I know, you. I know. This is why I'm, I'm just. I'm going to be specific. <laughs> you shared a YouTube video with me. I don't know if it was yesterday or earlier today. Of um, what's his face? Oh, um, um, Mick Fleetwood. M- Mick Fleetwood, and he spoke about. Ava, Ava Cassidy, Cassidy, and I only yep. had an opportunity to listen to the first like five minutes of it. Mm-hmm. But wow, the way he speaks about her, yeah. So yeah. just I, I talk a little bit about that because we did just talk sure, about her. And sure. I, I just, so sure. Ava Cassidy was our um, our our last artist spotlight that we did, and um, one of the things that w- that we were talking about was how how difficult she was to market um, because she she wanted to do so much so much range i guess is the best way to put it and he was telling a story about you know he he met with her and um she he he said why don't you give this this music thing a shot let's go to let's go to new york and let's see what these record producers say and you know she went and she came back and he said well how did it go and she said i turned them down she said they wanted to change she said they wanted to they were more concerned with what i looked like I just want to sing, right? Like, right? You know, they they wanted to, you know, I mean, she's she's she was very attractive as she was, but they were more concerned with how she had her hair and her makeup and this and that, right? That like they didn't really care what she was singing, and she's like, I don't want to do this if they don't care about what I want, what I'm singing, like that's what I care about. So 
it was just interesting, you know, here, you know, and, and he was he was saying that, you know, she was one of those singers that she had that it factor, kind of like what we were saying. Right. Like, like there was just something about her voice right. that was just right. so pure and just so perfect and so genuine that um, he was saying that she's, she should be a perfect band member because she would just she just wanted to do it for the music. And That's all she wanted to do was sing. And that like the first few minutes that I listened to was uh, when he was talking about how it was just. Forget about the music, forget about the written page, forget about everything. And that's how she was like. She knew all that stuff. She was a talented musician. But when she performed, she performed. She she sang and she made it her own thing. And it was and that's what he was saying. He goes, I don't care what the page says. I care about the passion that's inside the music. I don't care if you know how to read music. Exactly. I don't care if you know how to do this. It's the passion that you have when you're performing. And I think that, yeah. you know, she encapsulated that in, in her, mm-hmm. well, I used a big word and I said it without having to uh, mess it up. So, you. Uh, you know, like I just, and he, I love that. I love the fa- fact that he was saying the things that we were saying, and mm-hmm. I never, we didn't, I didn't see the video. I don't know if you saw it previously or if that was, you just no, found I it, you know, like that. I just was, happened to find yeah. it. And it was, what's weird is like, I, it was on, on Ava's YouTube page, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it was, I was just going through stuff and it just happened to pop up through all my crazy YouTube um, stuff. So did you come across any new artists that like new to you artists, I should say over the past week? Um, no, nothing, nothing new. Um, actually, wait, let me, let me pull up Notion because, um, a lot of the stuff I've been, been picking up hasn't been, uh, new artists, but they're like new albums that I haven't from, from artists that you, from artists that I know. Um, so, uh, I've been keeping this, this log of new stuff in my second brain. Um, yeah, I have, so I, me, I can only deal with my one right now. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle um, a second brain. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Barely say words sometimes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, nothing. Uh, nothing I, I, new, I bring really. it up because I was, I forget what I was looking for. Um, oh, and I did listen to tower of power. Cause I, I, cause I was looking listening to funk and I was like, I was getting tired of the whole, uh, Siri cursing me out. So I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to put tower power on. Uh, yep. And it was totally worth it. I, I mean, I always knew it was, I'm just saying like, it was just worth it. Mm-hmm. So out of randomness, I found this artist, Jess Gillam, G I L L A M. Okay. I'm, I don't know how long she's been out for. I don't, I don't, I've never seen her before, but she is a soprano saxophonist. And I was, it was random. Did I, you send her to me? Huh? Did you send her to me? Not yet, because it just literally happened a few hours ago, because I was just, <laughs> I was just doing okay. it. I'm going to send her to you. But I um, was a little impressed by the, f- one of the, f- one of the songs that I, and, and I'm going to pick a random one that I haven't listened to yet. Uh, and I'm going to just play. Can you, can you share your screen too? Because th- there was a soprano sax one that I, like a group that I found. Sure. And I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same one that I, I yeah, found. Yeah, let's, let's share screen. I'll to happily do it. Um, we are going to share this. And I'm going to make sure that I can share my sound. So we can just play it on there. And do you see it? 
I see it. So I was going to just play this song here. It's called Orbit. I haven't listened okay. to it yet. I'm going to actually click on it and s maybe scroll through to the bit middle so we're not... I don't know what the intro is like. And we're going to just do one of these. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very harsh on saxophonists. That was, that was good. I'm going to stop sharing because you don't need to see that anymore. But I have to, I was just, I, it was unexpected. So her, her name is Jess Gillum and she's a class. She's, this album's considered classical. I'm planning on listening through it and maybe I'll find some more information on her and she'll be one of the, our, our artist spotlights. But, um, yes, as a saxophonist, I agree with you. I can be very picky with who I listen to. I, it, it is not an instrument that I go and listen to right away, not because I don't like it. I play it. You know, I, I do enjoy the instrument. I don't play it as much as I should to right now, but it, it is hard to find somebody that I will sit and go, I really like them, you know? Mm -hmm. And and yes, there's music that we listen to that there's, there's saxophone in it because of just the band that you're listening to, but to have a solo artist... And for me to go, oh, this is this this sounds really good. Like, wow. And I'm just curious. I haven't listened to the whole album yet, but just felt the need to kind of share that. Um, yeah, I I need to check her out. Yeah. And you know, it's it, it's interesting. Like I said, we go through our day, and I know that we're gonna at some point talk about. Uh, Act, people that we know of actors that are artists mm -hmm. I know at some point we're going to talk about uh, we're going to focus on movie composers so I bring this up because this is a question that came about I brought this up like probably when we were in college uh, one of our uh, uh, peers who will rena remain nameless um, uh oh I sat and I asked him, I said... You have to try and figure out who this is. Huh? Now I have to try and figure out who this is. Well, I'll remain, he'll remain nameless for... Do, do, do I know this, this You person? do know the person. I just... They'll remain nameless. Will, will, will I be easily... Will I easily be able to no, recognize this no, person? No. Okay. Not... not uh, no, no. But they'll remain nameless. So okay. uh, I asked the question. I said, do we actually have classical composers anymore? And now I understand that there's a time period that was considered classical. And I do know that we have a neoclassical time mm -hmm. period and I, I'm sure, and, and there are still people that are composing music with, with the classical intent behind it, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily called classical music because of the fact of it. So it's like, is it a modern classical? But the question came up, do we have any more classical com composers? Where are our sympathy, sympathy, sympathy? I'm going to stop symphonies of today that's what i asked him at that time right uh -huh, uh -huh. and he goes what about our movie composers mm. and i i took me a moment to really think about that because yeah it makes a lot of sense to to to, to know that these composers for movies are composing music 
essentially as they watch the movie. So they want whatever their technique is. I I would think as someone who I've composed some music, but I'm not saying I'm a great composer, but I, I would have to watch the movie first with nothing behind it, of course, just whatever the dialogue is to give me an idea of what I want to see what themes I'm going to build because you do have to theme it out. And, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing to me to say, yeah, I can see that because how many people out there still listen to movie soundtracks? And I'm not talking about those with words because like guardians of the galaxy has a fantastic soundtrack to it. Baby driver has a fantastic soundtrack to it and Mm -hmm. none of it is composed music. It's all just, you know, songs that they they used. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe Baby Driver does have compo- some composed music, but I go to Jurassic Park and listen to the whole album. Yeah. You know, I I go to Back to the Future, and even though it has audio, like some songs in it, there co- there is a whole composed section that I listen to that I think is phenomenal. I have to say, one of my favorite, which is probably random, and maybe. You know, maybe something most people won't admit, but the movie The Rock with uh, Sean Connery and um, Nicolas Cage, I think mm-hmm. that compose those that music is phenomenal. It's stolen yeah. from certain aspects of classic of a classical composer. You can tell, mm-hmm. uh, but that's how they do it. You know, Star Trek's theme song was stolen from Holt's Planets. Like, there's mm-hmm. no doubt of it. But right, what do you? What's your thought on that? Do you? Do you? Do you agree? Do you do you think it's an interesting concept to say that the movies are that, like those? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there are symphonies being written, but I, I don't know that they're written in the same way that they were, you know, back when Shostakovich was right. out and Mozart was out. You know, it was it was a different time, um, and it was a different focus, and there was it was a different. A different way of life back right. then you know there we, they didn't have these little credit card sized devices exactly that literally suck our attention and are designed to suck our attention you know into you know it was the the way of life was you go and you you know you watch an opera or you see a symphony or you know that was part of i i spent time in vienna and um in in mozart's town um and it was so music centric it was even even now um like like there was just you could just feel that it was just like back then it was just so focused on music right you know and and even even with you know me being there it was 2004 ish so did i have an i didn't have an apple phone i had a flip phone at the time you know i was i had my ipod at the time you know but it was it was a it's a different time and i i think that the, the way that the composers need to capture our attention because of television and all that sort of stuff is they have to have something else going on. It's short run. And They're short runs. They're not these yeah. 10, 20 minute symphonies. Yes. They're the five minute segments that they're right. writing. And I totally right. agree with you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, it, but then if you take a look and I, I know you're not a fan of, I don't, I don't think you've even seen the movies, but like if you look at like the movies like Harry Potter, like there is a film score for that. But that's you John know, but Williams, that's, right? And, that, and that's Williams. the thing. Like, there's you, mm-hmm. you have those composers that are like that, mm-hmm. right? You have your 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 Hans Zimmer's, you know, who did right. Batman, right? And yeah, uh, what is it, Pirates of the Caribbean, and all the other which ones, are you know. full on scores and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I don't know. So I don't know that though any of them would have been successful 
had there not been something visual attached right to it. because now when you go listen to it you're able to visualize the movie whereas yeah. if you were to just listen to it without knowing the movie you may not appreciate it as much right. and, and i i don't and i'm saying this because a lot of classical listeners are still listening to classical music mozart bach beethoven such all these people back in the day that were writing this for like you said for the purpose of live performances and it's funny because classical music is what drove vinyl records into CD because mm-hmm. the classical listeners didn't want to keep flipping over the record to finish a symphony that was an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes or whatever the time frame was. Um, right. So they found a way to make it work on a CD. So now you were able to listen mm-hmm. it straight through and not have to yep. flip your, your record over. And, mm-hmm. and and that was the influence on the, the change in technology into how we listen to music back in the back in the eighties, you know, seventies or eighties. Because CDs mm-hmm. around for quite some time and there's still yep. something you can get your hands on if you really think about mm-hmm. it. So it was just it was one of those things where I was just kind of sitting down one day and I think we were listening to uh the orchestra uh practice uh, for their performance and I was sitting in the audience with him and we were actually he was helping me tune my ears so I was trying to listen to see if there was anybody out in tune and he was and I was trying to teach myself who was out of tune and pinpoint and I was getting good I was able to say like oh it's it's in the violin section and it's the second chair not the second chair but the second violins are out of tune Mm. he's like absolutely like that like that's what we were doing so that's when the question came up like where symphonies today and and this is not a, a, a in any way shape or form a uh, i i want to know those composers that are doing this i don't yep. see them because they're covered up by everybody else and those right. composers i would i i the chronos quartet is phenomenal and it, that mean a lot of that music is is it philip glass that does it is it philip glass uh, i believe it's philip it's philip glass, philip glass is a phenomenal composer Mm-hmm. And he's even composed for movies before, mm-hmm. you know, but yep. like, would he have been known if it wasn't for movies? Right. You know, so it, it, that that's why I, I was asking those, those questions. And, you know, it, it, it's everybody's going to have an answer to it. You know, someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, that there's still symphonies out there. No, the movies are those. Oh, no. What are you talking like? It's just a, a conversation on what do you think? Right. You know, I, I have a coworker that listens to movie soundtracks all day long that's the background music for him and there's been many mm-hmm. a times that i've gone in to speak to my coworker, and i'm like oh that's from that movie oh that's from that movie and i'm like oh i can't figure it out because i haven't seen the movie so i can't pinpoint what it's gorgeous mm-hmm. i love the way it yep. sounds but i couldn't tell you what movie it's from because i didn't see the movie right like that type right. of thing like and 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 that's it and you know same thing with video games there are some gorgeous soundtracks out there <laughs> Yes. You know, and and are those, you know, where does that lie? Because I Mm -hmm. know people that listen to video game soundtracks and rightfully so. Yep. I'm a a big wrestling, or I was a big wrestling fan. um, And one of my favorite um, guys, his name is Adam Cole. He goes by the Chugs on Twitch. Mm -hmm. But like he, he will, he plays games like, like Halo and, and Final Fantasy. And I've watched him like get so into the music that he just sits there and balls yeah. and cries. Halo is gorgeous. Like, 
It's yeah, a very I mean, well-written com- composition. <sighs> and they have yep. a series now out on Paramount Plus called Halo. It's a, it's yes. a, and I haven't watched yet. I'm hoping that the music is brought into that show. I hope so. You yep. know? But no, I, I, yep. it, it's amazing. And, you know, because, like, again, you have a brilliant composer. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, they have another task on top of them. Because... Right. They could compose music. We know they can compose music. We right. we know that they can compose beautiful music, mm-hmm. but now they're having to set it to a music uh, to a movie. They have to mm-hmm. set their mu- music to a movie. They're composing for this movie. If they don't do a good job, that movie can fail, yeah. just because of the music, because it doesn't yep. take them in. You know the the Marvel movies, which I know there's people mm-hmm. that can take them and leave them, and there's people that you know are just you know I'm gonna fight you because they're amazing. They have some beautiful compositions in it too. But what I think is amazing is they're not as prominent with their themes for their superheroes. At least I don't think there's subtleties. So like as you have multiple characters on screen, you get the subtleties of, okay, this is Captain America and Iron Man. This is this, you know, Mm -hmm. so you get those subtleties. Let's take it back to Batman Begins, those three movies Mm -hmm. that Christopher Nolan did and James Newton Howard who composed for those movies. If you take a listen to it, there's no true theme to Batman. Like in the movies back in the 90s, he had a theme song. And everything he's done, he's had a theme song. In this, mm-hmm. there's a theme to it, but it's not like Batman's coming. Right. Like there's just this constant build of, of music to show that something's going to happen. But mm-hmm. it's I never... like I. I, I don't think there's at any point could I say, oh, there's a Batman theme in that. And I think mm-hmm. there's a reason for that because I do too. You know, I know. I, and that's what I'm saying. There's a hiding in the shadows right, kind of exactly. a thing. You know? So now you have these people taking these movies and, and doing what they do best and bringing you into it in a different element. Like not many people may have thought of it out that way. You know, they just mm-hmm. love the movie. Some, you know, I, I'm driven by the music. You know, and and it could be a crappy movie and still have good music, and you're just like, okay, uh, not the best movie, but I'll still watch it again because the music was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know that type of thing. So it's just yep. random question, random thought, but something I'm curious, listeners, your thoughts on it. There's no mm-hmm. right or wrong answer here. I don't think there's yep. a right or wrong answer here. I think it's just your your opinion on it and what you feel about who is a modern day classical symphony composer mm-hmm. you know and and to your point a lot of this stuff especially with streaming now has to be quick you yep. can't have a long drawn out the uh composition whereas mm-hmm. you know so it, it's interesting i'm just curious what people's thoughts are so please you know on our yeah. instagram or our Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, and then emails. And yeah, just please Absolutely. give us your feedback. We're just we're curious. We're curious what people are thinking yep. and, and their thoughts on it. I just want to go back a, a minute, um, just because you you were talking about uh, how does a composer write for a movie? Um, so I happen to be a huge Stanley Clark fan. Um, Stanley Clark is a is an upright bass player, an electrical bass player. Um, he's big in the jazz fusion world. He was in uh, Return to Forever, played a lot with Chick Corea. He's been in a lot of things, and he writes movie scores. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's, I mean, so 
there are some very bizarre uh, barbershop the next cut soul men he did into the sun with steven seagal uh, murder she wrote uh, really this show really yeah. that's awesome uh, Romeo Must Die. Um, so he's done a whole bunch of, of very well-known and then some very bizarre right. movies. But there is an interview on YouTube, which I will link in the show notes, that um, he talks about how he writes for films. What his process is. What That's his process awesome. is. How he watches the movie and how he develops themes for characters and how he how he builds it and how he orchestrates it and goes through it. It's a 20-minute video if you're, if you're interested in watching it. Um, I love Stanley. He's an amazing guy. Um, I've seen him many, many times um, perform, and he's just incredible. And um, yeah, I think so, I think this is going to be a good question to ask uh, Nick Donnelly when we bring him on. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother's yeah. friend, a buddy of mine, who does compose for for movies and some commercials, watch commercials and stuff like that, and, and we'll talk all about that. And just out of, out of curiosity, what his how he approaches it, because I'm sure mm-hmm. everybody's different. But it, that yeah. I'm, I've always been curious about everybody's process. Like my, I, I think that my process, even though I do more of the post, I think I'd have to watch the movie and like take notes of key points. Uh, and then I'd have to go back and watch it again. And, you know, like it would, it would be a process for me, but mm-hmm. I, I think I've done it once for a movie and it was kind of like, like haphazard the way I think I did it. Uh, if you remember back in the day when I had you play the stuff on organ with MIDI, it was the weird. Yep. Yeah. Um, I remember. And it was, it, there was no orchestra. There was no orchestration behind it. It was just random medley lines to create com- awkwardness in the movie. Cause that's what it was. But uh, yeah, that's very cool. I, I may actually check out that video myself. So uh, link in the show notes. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's just, I, I would love, but I still would love to hear people's thoughts on it and any movie composers that are out there or people that do compose, whether it's for independent films, whether you're doing, uh, features, shorts, whatever, just curious of your process, curious of your thought and yeah. please share it. Let us know if we can share it. Cause it's just something that is that, and, and even for anybody who writes, mm-hmm. what's your process? Are you, yeah writing the words first. Are you writing the music and putting the words to it? Just like my brother said in his interview, when we interviewed him, Mm -hmm. that he's great at taking someone's melody line and putting words to it, but he's not good at putting the words first and then the melody line. So I'm curious about that end of it. Like, what's your Mm -hmm. process? You know, everybody's going to have something different. I I know someone I used to work with at a music store and he was composing. He composed more like contemporary uh, orchestral type music. And he's like, I put composed by colors. I see colors. And he goes, the way the colors are, that's how I write my music. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's yeah. that's crazy. I don't know what he's on. If he's seeing, I'm just joking. You know, but <laughs> I think that's crazy that he's, you know, the way he did it. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next few episodes of working on because we have some, we have some uh, fun ones coming up, I think. Yep. Uh, and then I, I'm looking forward to getting into movies for a bit. And then maybe coming back to doing artist spotlights around the holiday time or something around that. But because I've been look, I, I have my uh, Apple Music up and like right in front of me, uh, Chernobyl music from the original TV series that was on HBO. Mm-hmm. Amazing. The, the composition was amazing. It's very yeah. industrial, but very oh, so good. And she's, fa- she's a fantastic composer. Uh, so just 
it's just uh it's it's gonna be fun moving forward yeah yeah do you have anything else you'd like to share on our bridge episode um i i, I do but i don't i think it's gonna go another hour if i if i open my well, mouth let's, so. let's bring it up and if we have to okay. come back to it we could do it um so you were you were talking about about classical music mm-hmm. and you know like like there was a period in time called classical music but like what do we call it now right that and that's that's what it comes down to like uh, there's neoclassical which is a time period in the early 1900s uh i, right. I believe if i'm if i'm mistaken you know i'm yeah i mean because like i mean you could you could argue that there's 20th century music and you know that's where like you know you get the you know the Donald Martinos and all those guys, but it's like where? Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm thinking of the, so neoclassical uh, is before is, classical, is way right? before the 1900s. Yeah, uh, but in the sense of there's there's impressionism, there's all that stuff that started coming yeah. out, and it's still a form of classical music. It right. just branches like, out. So, excuse exactly. me, classical yeah, yeah. music historians, I apologize for making a mistake, um, but I th- still think there are there is some classical music written back in the uh, in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. I think they 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 called some stuff neoclassical music because it was a mm-hmm. another form of of classical right. music. So I don't. But it's like what 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 do we call that form? Because I mean, it, it's it's confusing to talk about right classical music that's not i mean like classical music is mozart like I, that's that's the that's a classical era i need to go back and do some more of my it's been a while since i my history of music has been on the top of my head and maybe i'll do some research and, and because you know the brief readings that i'm doing here is they're stating that it's you know 18th 19th century but i still think some of it was pulled into the 20th century mm-hmm. a little bit like right at the beginning right. you know and like i said impressionism Mm-hmm. That what what period was that? Debussy, uh, it was. Uh, Debussy was what nineteen so nineteen forties century into the twenty twentieth century. Yeah, let me let me make sure my Debussy. You know, uh, I I mean that that's a huge thing. It it began in the late eighteen hundreds, right? Uh, so, but it's still a branch off of how classical composition was done, and I think that's where it lies. You're right. taught a rule. So WC was 1862 to 1918. Okay, so that pulls you into so the, we're talking early early right. 1900s. So we are taught in theory rules. Wow, he was only 55. Yeah, he died young. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, wow. We're taught rules. We're we're taught mm-hmm. like Schoenberg changed the rules a little bit. Sure right. Did. So, but we're taught rules based upon classical composition. Chord structures. Well, I, see, I wouldn't know. See, I would say we're taught rules based on Baroque. Right, okay, so Baroque. Okay, all no, of no. our rules are are, are based uh, on Bach. Bach. Okay, part. let's. We'll be more specific because even though he's in a classical region, let's be more specific. Based upon Bach, right? Like, we're 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 based upon that. We're still based upon a genre of music, though. Mm-hmm. Right, like his what he did. Right. right. And everything after that is based upon that rule those rules though mm-hmm. in just like literature rules are meant to be broken right. but how far off are you breaking them that it's not classical music anymore right so this the, uh, it, it's a whole and i think this is something that we should follow up with 
in a later mm-hmm. episode and let me do a little more of my research yeah. so like like i said if i open my mouth we're gonna be here yeah. for like a couple no no no, no i i think what we need to do and it's just because i want to do this right because i want to have i want to mm-hmm. do this right i need to do my research my dates are gonna are definitely off just because i haven't had these conversations in a while and i want to get the yeah. right information and what i'll do is we'll, we'll plan an episode where we'll talk we'll come back to this and we'll talk yeah. about this a little bit more because i think it's a very it's just an interesting conversation because mm-hmm. then we could talk about where where did ragtime come from? Where did this come from? Where did blues, jazz, right. rock? Everything is branched off from something else. But it mm-hmm. still derives from a theory that was taught from right. based upon a, a, a certain composer or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. So that's... Yep. And, and that was the one thing that I questioned everything when I was in theory. And mm-hmm. I know... And the professor that I had was phenomenal. Love her to death. I... Uh, you know, I said, I'm sorry, I'm asking all these questions, but I'm like, I know. And she goes, no, she goes, you got to learn the basis before you can break away from it. And right. it was, a, it was a prairie, like the conversation was a very profound conversation and made me rethink how I approached, you know, theory and composition and all that stuff. And, and, mm-hmm. um, anything we brought him up, Iacona was another counterpart to that where he was like, who cares? Right. You know, who cares? There's a song and, and, and maybe we can bring this up real quick. And then, and then I, I, I really think if you're up for it, I will totally do another episode of this and we'll talk sure. about it. And I don't care how long that one goes. <laughs> Cause <laughs> that, that I think is essential. It's, it's a history. And I think it's, it, it, and yeah. it just, yeah. I just want to do it right. I want to be smart with it. Um, there's the, 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 an album I'm going to share my, um, I I would have to find the clip. It's going to take me a moment. Um the the album Random Access Memories by Daft Punk, right? So they mm-hmm. do a couple of songs where they feature other artists, you know, Pharrell Williams is on it, Julian Casablancs, Paul Williams, a bunch of different artists, right? But there's one album on there's one song on this album called Giorgio by Moroder more rodor he's if you listen to the song it's about a five or six minute song and he talks about a little bit about his histories from austria it says nine minutes huh is it nine minutes it says oh nine, it's nine minutes, song. nine minutes never knows okay anyway <laughs> i love the song it's a nine minute song and um he talks at the beginning about a little bit about his history and where he came from i think he's from austria so at first it sounded like arnold schwarzenegger talking um and and he talks about MIDI. He talks about wanting a sound from like the 50s and 60s and then a sound from the future. And then he was like, oh, I forgot about the Moog. You know, like I forgot about this and all that stuff. But then in the middle of the song, he comes back in and he and he does this. And I, and I think this talks a little bit about to us breaking the rules in a sense. So mm-hmm. I'm going to play this clip here. Once you free your mind about a concept of uh, harmony and of music being correct, you can do whatever you want. So nobody told me what to do, and there was no preconception of what to do. I mean, how great is that? Like, yeah, you yeah. know, he he talks about how he doesn't have that big of a theory map music background. And, but he was able to sing. He was able to compose and all this stuff. And then if mm-hmm. you listen to the song at the beginning and then at that point where he talks, it's it's a different feel, but he doesn't know anything. 
So he's just going right. by what he thinks sounds good. So mm-hmm. um, it's a fantastic yeah. song. I never realized it was 10 minutes because I enjoyed it so much. I just let it play, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, going back to, um, to Debussy, um, who was the composer we mentioned about Impressionism, um, the story was, I don't know if the story is true, but I've heard it from several people. Um, in one of his theory um, classes that he had to take, um, he wrote um, the, the uh, Engulfed Cathedral which is one of his preludes and it was one of his you know final exam right. papers or something and he, he wrote in this thing um this is to prove that i know music theory i broke every single rule or something like right. that um and like if you listen like like one of the things that's a big no-no in in you know the the, the bach rules is like there's no parallel fourths right. exactly and this whole piece is like parallel right. fourths right. all over the place right. Um, and it's a gorgeous piece of music, and it's like that's that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like, you know, you can you can break the rules, but where does that where does that take you once you break right. the rules? And 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 that's and that's the that'll be the conversation. I'll do a little history yep. work, a little history lesson, so I have the proper dates and time frames. We'll talk a little history, and then we'll you know we'll give our opinion on where you're breaking the rules, like. Because yeah. everybody's going to see it differently, and that's that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. is you can see it differently. Yeah. You can see it well, and I mean it goes the same thing with Picasso. Like we know Picasso of this abstract artist, but he was a phenomenal artist. Like he mm-hmm. could draw a, a a portrait beautifully, and it just you know it was one of those things where it was like, well, well, I can do this, so why don't I do this? You know, and people are going to love it. So mm-hmm. I don't know what we should play at the end, like a thirty second piece. Maybe we shall surprise him. I don't. Oh, I could play a little bit of the Engulf Cathedral. That's a great idea. I think that's a perfect idea. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Now, that. that all being said, unless you have no more to add, um, I always. Say I know, I know, and I, I know, <laughs> but I mean, at this moment, we we are definitely coming back to this classical discussion. Yes. It's. Imp- I yes. think it's important. I think it'll be fun. Uh, I'll be yep. sorry. so. As of now. For today, yes. you feel that you've said. I have said my piece. awesome, and <laughs> and no complaint this week. So does that mean you get two That's, for next one? Uh, okay, yes. we'll give you two for next one. Sounds good. Sweet. I you know what, what's funny is uh, I did complain about something, but I don't know if that. Can no, I don't. I don't. Complaint. I I would have said I don't think. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, no, no, so. it's fine. It's fine. All right, cool. So I got you two, got complaints. two complaints for next week. So that means we need to do the Dave Matthews Band episode next week. So I can <laughs> no, complain. You, you want to save that one for that episode? <laughs> Maybe just, I'll just, just keep building just, it by complaints. Just put a little bank of complaints and you can save it for that episode. That's hysterical. Yes, we're, that's what we're going to do. Because I'm going to have to referee somewhere on that one. Yes, um, yes. Would you like to do the closing? I don't have it. Oh, well, that case... And what, what, wait, what's the name of the WC that you're going to be playing? Um, La Cathedral Angulte, right. or the Sunken Cathedral, or the Engulfed I, Cathedral. I'm not going to repeat two. that, but that's basically yes. what we're playing at the end of this, yes. beautifully. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. This was a good one. I enjoyed it. I had fun. It was good. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Turn On The Music, the podcast. We hope that you join us next week. Follow us on Twitter at Turn On The Music and on Instagram at Turn On The Music Podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend. 
And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to Apple Podcast and give us a five-star rating. Kyle, until next week, have a good one, sir. You too.